Praise God. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 134. Hallelujah. Those of you that were in here for the first half, how many of you enjoyed that word from the Lord today? Amen. Might have been a, some of you are used to seeing Trevor in our second half, but just felt some things that God wanted to shift, and so, so thankful that he obeyed the Lord. Amen. Psalm 134, if you got it, say, I got it. You don't have it, say, I'm looking at the screen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalm 134, it's a song of degrees. In fact, it's the final and 15th consecutive song of degree. Verse 1, behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. I promise you I ain't got enough time today to preach the depth of these three verses, but I'm going to do my best. So preach with me in Jesus' name. I'm going to preach the interrogatives of worship. Father, let the living word preach the written word. And make my tongue the pen of a ready writer today. Open our understanding that we might comprehend Scripture, cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out, and bring every thought captive to the obedience of the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask it, pray it, expect it, and believe it in the majestic, marvelous, and magnificent name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And would you shout His name? Jesus! God bless you. You may be seated. Now i got to preach 12 hours of study in a few minutes. So bear with me. Psalm 134 presents and reveals the who, when, where, what, and why of worship. These interrogatives ask and answer vital questions about the value of worship in this 15th and final song of ascent. The pilgrims have finally reached Jerusalem. They've reached the top of the stairs of the temple. And the psalmist reminds them of their privilege to bless the Lord wholeheartedly. Hallelujah. There is something about worship that helps believers ascend above their circumstances. I might be in pain. I might be going through it. I don't understand how the economy's gonna work out. I'm confused about Russia and Ukraine, but there's something about worship that lifts me higher. There's something about praise that raises it an octave in my life. And so the pilgrims who sang these songs would have no doubt suffered plenty. Many of them would sing these songs as they returned from captivity in Babylon and Assyria back to Jerusalem. Many of them had experienced the loss of loved ones and close 
friends and they're coming back without a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or some other relative or friend. And yet by the time they reached the final song of ascent, it was all about worshiping the one true God. You see, there's something about praise and worship that helps me to forget the temporal and focus on the eternal. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Worship, hear me, is not about turning up the volume or simply singing a faster song. The depth of our worship is directly proportional to our depth in God's Word. This is why Bible study is so vital. Can I tell you, sadly, too many churches have traded biblical exposition for blatant entertainment and then wonder why transformation does not occur. But if you'll fall in love with the Word of God, your worship will ascend to new heights and plumb new depths and open up the infinite of God's truth for you. Hallelujah. You see, worship does not begin or end on any given Sunday. Worship is a lifestyle which begins with falling in love with God's Word. In other words, the stronger your love for God's Word, the sweeter your worship will be when we gather weekly. Oh, it'll cost you something to bless the Lord. In fact, it'll cost you everything. David said, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. But it's worth it eternally to give God our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. So what are the interrogatives? The first is who? Psalm 134 verse 1. All ye servants of the Lord. Mm. You know, that leaves nobody out. I double-checked to make sure in the Hebrew that all meant all. And it does. It's all-encompassing. It means Everybody. From the high priest to, to the infant. It means everybody. All ye servants of the Lord. God wants everyone to be a worshiper. All ye servants of the Lord. Means everyone is to bless the Lord. In other words, if you're breathing, you do not have a right to remain silent. You have a right to bless God. And regardless of any position title that you may have all of us are servants in fact of all the positions and titles that I've had or currently have the one that means the most to me is faithful servant and I cannot wait to hear Jesus say well done good and faithful servant Ah, and so from now until the trumpet, I'm going to worship my Lord and my Savior faithfully. And then in the presence of the Lord for eternity, I'm going to worship him forever and ever and ever. And if you can get done with all the forevers, then amen. Hallelujah. All. Somebody say all. Now point to yourself and say that includes me. Nobody's left out. You notice something this verse doesn't say? It doesn't say bless the Lord if you feel like it. Bless the Lord if everything's going well. 
Bless the Lord if you got a bonus, raise, healing, etc. It just says bless the Lord, period. Because His worthiness is not predicated on my circumstances. He's worthy, period. Regardless. <laughs> when do I worship? The next interrogative. Verse 1, the next part of it. Right? Behold, bless you the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Look at the next part. Which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Worship never ends. It's not just what we do on Sunday or a midweek when we have a praise team singing. True worship is who we are every day. It's a lifestyle. The phrase, which by night, actually in the Hebrew means that God wants us to worship Him always. It's a daily thing. Not just during the feasts for these uh, 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 Jews that would have read this. Not just when we come on Sunday or Wednesday for born again believers here. But no, it's always. And the more that I discover this truth, the more I realize how vital it is to have a daily relationship with God. I believe in part, this is why Paul said, I die daily. Paul had to repent daily. Paul had to reaffirm and confirm his connection and relationship with God daily. Do you know if you'll do that daily, your worship on Sunday will be that much more sweeter? That's what I love about TCO. Let me just brag on you for a minute. Amen. I get to do it when I'm away preaching conferences and stuff, but let me just do it in front of you. I'm, I talk behind your back. Let me talk to your face. I love this church. And I, I really mean it. I love the worship in this church. I love that we don't have to get up and say, okay, come on, let's praise God. I've been in churches like that. You know, well, what, what's, what's that song I used to sing warming up? You know, I went to visit a church. It was quiet as it could be. Nobody praising the Lord, nobody but me. They thought I was emotional, and I felt out of place. Because when I come to church, I don't come to take up space. And if you don't like my worship, don't look. Close your eyes. I ain't doing it for you anyway. But, but that's what I love about this church. There's just this, come on, let's praise God. From children to elders to everything in between. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it doesn't stop here. When means I take it with me home. Hallelujah. Where? The next interrogative. In verse 1, the latter part of it says, stand in the house of the Lord. And in verse 2, in the sanctuary. Now in the house of the Lord in verse 1, and in the sanctuary, verse 2, was the temple for the psalmist and the pilgrims. But, how many of you know now that we are the temple. Oh, I feel something now. Brother Jeff, just before I started preaching, you were standing right over here, and, and you started to quote, pray, or something about, Lord, fill this temple, and, and you talked about, you know, let the train fill the temple. See, that's a, that's a passage from Isaiah 6. Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Let me just pause right here and say, what has to die for you to see the Lord? In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. 
high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, let me ask you a question. Does this room look filled or full, we'll say, today? I know it's not capacity. I know we've got so many chairs, but there's a sense of field in this room, right? There's 200 blue chairs. There's a sense of field. But it's not talking about his train. And the train would be what the, what the kings would have at the end of their robes. And, and it, was, it was the victories they had won over other kings. So when he would defeat, you know, you know King A or P, King B or King C, he would take their robe, tie it onto the end of his, sew it on, and he would have this longer robe. And it was indicating of all the authorities he had. But see, we think of field like... If all of a sudden I was to have a robe that, that stretched from behind the pulpit and down and, and around this row, around that row, and around that one, and weaved its way back around over here, that's what we would think of filled. But filled, when Isaiah saw this, wasn't like that. It was top to bottom, side to side, front to back. There was not a square centimeter of space left. Oh, wait a minute. Y'all ain't getting it yet. So let me, let me make it plain. I saw the Lord high lifted up and his train filled the temple. Who's the temple now? God doesn't want to just fill you up on Sunday. God doesn't want to just touch, you know, the right ventricle of your heart. God wants to fill you from the bottom to the top, from the crown back down. God wants to fill every part of you. Hallelujah. So where do we worship him? Everywhere. I don't. I love our praise team. I don't need drums and keyboards and guitars. I can praise him. See, we've misquoted where two or three are gathered in his name, they're in the midst of them. If that means what we've made it mean, then that means you can't worship God by yourself if you're home alone. So it obviously doesn't mean that, does it? In fact, the, the direct context of where two or three are gathered is actually talking about judging a matter. And where two or three agree on it, the judgment is so. So that means, I know I can't be the church hall by myself, but I might be going through something by myself. And I might be going through that valley of the shadow of death by myself. Ah, I might look good on the outside. My tie might be tied just right on the outside. But on the inside, there's something turmoil in me. Oh, but there's something about worshiping God. Everywhere. On my good days, on my bad days, on the mountaintop, in the valley, when it's raining, when it's shining, when the bills are paid, when the bills are due, when I'm healed, when I'm sick, it doesn't matter where I am, he's worthy everywhere. Wait a minute, I feel the Holy Ghost. That means when some of these children walk into their public schools and some of these students walk onto their public campuses. I don't care how many demons are there. I don't care how many evil spirits are there. 
He's worthy there too. And we can praise him there too. I don't care what they've said about Norfolk. I don't care that the enemy says you can't have a church there. God says you can. Come on now. Everywhere. He's worthy everywhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whether I'm on vacation or working overtime, whether I'm in my living room or the prayer room, Everywhere I go, watch this. Are you ready? You ready? Watch this. Remember, some of you remember the illustration, goodness and mercy following me? Wait a minute. I got another one for you. Everywhere I go, the temple of the Holy Spirit goes. And the train that fills that temple goes with Are you getting it? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you chewing what I'm feeding you today? Come on. Everywhere you go, you bring the Spirit of God. Some people say, well, there's chaos in my world, Bishop. There's darkness in my world, Bishop. Hmm, kind of sounds like Genesis 1 in the beginning. (sighs) Worlds were without frame. Void. Empty. Darkness. And what does God do? Anybody know the next part of the verse? And the Spirit of God begin to move. God ain't afraid of your darkness. God ain't afraid of your chaos. God... Wish you'd hear what I'm saying in the Holy Ghost. God ain't afraid of the problems that are weighing you down. He can move. But not only that, He speaks. Let there be light. Oh, hallelujah. Everywhere you go, you take the temple with you. All right, listen, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. It's 1211. Hallelujah, you got to hurry. You got to hurry. Whew. I dare any one of you that think a preacher should preach less to study with me one week and see what I mean. All right, that was for free. That's not in my notes, I promise you. Watch this. The next interrogative is what? What do we do, right? Well, verse 1. Behold. Bless ye the Lord. Right? Then, the next, the end of that verse, which by night stands, so we bless, we stand. Verse 2, lift up your hands. And then the end of verse 2, and bless the Lord. So bless the Lord twice, stand once, lift up your hands once. Got that? Ready? Watch this. The word bless there in the Hebrew is a word which is used over three, or excuse me, exactly 300 times in the Old Testament, more than all the words for praise and, 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 and all combined. Okay? Praise sometimes can be easy. It's the jump. It's the shout. It's the lifting of hands. It's the clapping. It's the singing. It's the playing of instruments. It's all of that. But worship means here to kneel or bow. It's meaning being vulnerable with God. You see, we don't want people to know we've got a problem, and so we're not going to come to the altar because they might think I've got a problem. Can I tell you, most people ain't even paying attention to you coming to the altar anyway. So if, if you want to come on down, just go ahead and come on down. Besides, God wants you to do it anyway. All right, so, so bless. It's to be kneeling or bowing. It also can mean to lay prostrate. In other words, it's that vulnerable position before God. 
But I got to digging deeper. I want to know what stand and lift up the hands mean. Because if I just take them in the English, stand. Okay, I'm doing that right now. Lift up the hands. I'm doing that right now. Right? Watch. Stand means to take one's stand and to serve. It's not just, Brother Daniel, locking my knees and standing. It's taking my stand saying, this is who I am. I don't care if you make fun of me. I don't care if, if, if you pick on me at school. I don't care what you believe about me. I don't care if my spouse does it or my kids do it or anybody else does it. I'm making my stand. This is who I am. And then serving in that. Does that make sense? Okay. So lifting up the hands. Watch this. It means to lift or carry or take. Sister Alicia, it's not just coming in the altar during worship and God, I love you and I praise you. Yeah. It's taking something with you to share with others. That's why worship is not confined to just what we're doing right here on Sunday. When you walk in these front doors out here, you walk in and to your left it says connect with God, grow in faith. That's what we come to do. But when you walk out on your, uh, uh, also on your left, you'll notice it says uh, serve others and lead by example. Now, some of that happens within the confines of the building, of the church where we're at. But when we leave, we're leaving to take something with us. Remember, we're the temple and everywhere we go. Are you following me? So, so to lift up your hands is not just to do it while you're here. It means to take it with you and to share it with others. It also means to carry. Listen, God is specific how he wants his presence carried. That's why we're called to be holy as he is holy. Well, somebody say that's good preaching. Yeah, it is. You're right. Amen. It's good preaching because it's the word. Ain't good preaching because I'm doing it. It's the word. Let's look at the last interrogative. Why? Why do we worship? Well, verse 1, verse 3, excuse me, tells us. The Lord that made heaven and earth. <laughs> we worship because he's the maker. We worship because he made us to do so. He created us for relationship. It's what he wants. The Father seeking us to worship him. Okay, I'm going to give him what he wants. Right? But notice with me, the verse is still up there. What do those last five words say at the, underneath, you know, you got the Lord that blessed you, or excuse me, the Lord that made heaven and earth. What's, what's the next part say? Oh, wait a minute. In verses one and two, I'm doing the blessing, but who's doing the blessing here? Zion is symbolic of the church. The Lord bless thee out of the church. Hmm. So, so God that made heaven and earth, God that is the, the builder and founder of the church, if you'll bless him, he'll bless you. Now that's not why we don't just worship, say, okay, if I worship really good, I'm going to get an extra blessing, you know, right? 
I remember going to grandma's house, and I, I knew, I knew, no matter what mom or dad said, I could get a second piece of pie because grandma would let me. You know, she, she spoiled me, you know. Amen. But it, it, it's, I didn't, listen, it's not just trying to get that extra piece of pie. It's, it's realizing I'm going to worship him anyway, but because I do, he decides to bless me. Now, how many of you know that what you give God is no comparison to what he gives you? I have tried my whole life to outgive God, outpraise God, outbless God, outpray God. I can't do it. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying. I am going to keep trying. But he continues to find a way to bless me. <laughs> How many of you want God to bless your life? So you see, why is it vital to be a true worshiper? Because he's the maker of heaven and earth, and he'll bless those who truly worship him. Now, these Psalms of Ascent, 15 of them, are the only grouping of Psalms that are consecutive. You've got uh, Psalm 19 and 119 are called Torah Psalms. Uh, you've got praise psalms spread throughout the entirety of, of the 150 psalms. You've got uh, lament psalms. And, and none of the rest of the genres are together except these. These 15 are in perfect sequential order. But not just the 15 are together. They also present a divine progression. Many historians believe that the pilgrims would have sung these 15 songs as they ascended the steps into the temple, suggesting there could have been 15 steps. So when they got to the first step, it was Psalm 120. And they would sing it, pray it, speak it, and then take to the second step, 121, and so forth. You get my point. So you see... Let me walk through it with you like this. The pilgrims groan and wail in distress when they take the first step. They, they will take this first and lowest step where everything is dark and discouraging and depressing and disappointing. But as they begin to do this first step, which is Psalm 20, even though there is defeat, they will persevere and, and commit to continue climbing. And as they finish Psalm 120 and put their foot on the next step in Psalm 121, ascending to it, they begin to look up above and beyond the present circumstances that depress them in the first step. Not only do they begin to look and see the top of the stairs, but they also start to declare that their help comes from the Lord. This glimpse of God encourages them to take another step and they put their foot on the third step Psalm 122 and they continue their climb and they begin to declare gladness in their hearts and the goal of reaching the top, the goal of entering into the temple is getting closer and the higher they climb from the distress of the first step the more invigorated they become to continue mm -hmm feeling some empowerment that can only come from God through worship. The 
pilgrims continue to climb, sing, and step. And they go to the fourth step, Psalm 123. And they begin to focus their gaze solely upon God. Problems and enemies have tried to dissuade them, but now their trust is firmly placed in the mercy of Almighty God. They take the fifth step, Psalm 124. And the pilgrims begin to glorify God for his protection. God is worthy of all their praise. And they are encouraged by the testimony of his character. He has not failed them. He has not forsaken them. He has not abandoned them. And he never will. Something begins to well up within their spirit or a third of the way there. They might look back briefly to see where they've come from. Are you getting what I'm saying today? They might look back and say, I've made it this far. I can keep going. And so pressing onward, the pilgrims climb on to the sixth step, Psalm 125, and begin to declare the all-encompassing authority of Almighty God. He goes before me. He's behind me. He's all around me. I can't go anywhere where he's not. And their worship begins to reveal the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. And they proceed with faith fully equipped by God. The seventh step looms before them. One can nearly imagine the raising of the key as all of a sudden the singing begins to go a little bit higher. Na, 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 na. Something begins to happen in their spirit. Dreams are becoming a reality. Fear has surrendered to faith. Tears sown in desperation have become the seeds that are producing a joyful harvest. For weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Empowered to move higher, the pilgrims climb on to the eighth step, Psalm 127. Here, they will again rejoice in God's protection and provision. The pilgrims will graciously worship God for their families, realizing they've crossed the halfway point to their destination. The pilgrims delight in God, thanking Him for all He's done. For those who fear God, for walking in His ways, energized by the Spirit of God they sense and feel, they step onto the ninth step. And momentum builds as they realize they've come too far to turn back. Now, I wonder, is there anybody here? I don't care what step you may feel like you're on. Is there anybody here that feels like I've come too far to give up now? I've come too far to turn back now. The pilgrims reach the 10th step, Psalm 129. And they proclaim that although their enemies afflicted them, they did not annihilate. This bold declaration infuses them to pause and to praise God before they continue their ascent. In fact, it's on this 10th step from 10 to 11 that a shift occurs. The final five steps loom before them. They've come two-thirds of the way. They began, watch this. They began with beholding God. It started in darkness, but they saw God through the darkness because he's the light. 
and for five steps they beheld God greater than their problems greater than their enemies that went to the next five steps of them believing that if God can bring them this far he can bring them onward to the victory if God's been good before he can still be good right now and they begin to believe God for miracles for great things but as they transpose from the 10th to the 11th step, it's going to go from beholding God and believing God to blessing God in the final five steps. Their feet touch the 11th step. Psalm 130, the themes of forgiveness and redemption from all iniquity fill their voices while they will continue their ascent their worship will also intensify the pilgrims complete hope is in God's word and his pardon from all their sin patience in God's infinite wisdom is displayed as they climb onto the 12th step Psalm 131 hope fills their hearts as they continue singing the praises of God realizing how far they've risen they are now determined more than ever to reach the top the pilgrims remember that God cannot lie and they bless him more intently as they prepare to step on the 13th step as they do they sing the promises of God recognizing that God has not forgotten them. They've come a long way. They've journeyed from distant villages. They're now on getting ready to take the 14th step. This is the step they're going to be on where they're just one step away from their desired goal. Nearing the end of their ascent as they put their feet on the 14th step, Psalm 133, they rejoice in the unity of the Spirit and dream of eternal life with God. And finally, Fifteenth step has come. It started in Psalm 120, verse 5, with, Woe is me! But when they put their foot from the fourteenth onto the fifteenth, Pastor Lucas, it's bless the Lord. I may have started with a woe is me. But by the time I ascend into his presence, there's no more woe. It's bless the Lord. I'm not looking at my problem. I'm not looking at what got me to this place. I'm looking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They've climbed from despair to blessing God. Joyful shouts, leaping, dancing, bowing are ways they begin to express all God has done for them. And so the next time you're discouraged, I want you to read these songs of ascent, Psalm 120 through 134. Read them all lumped together. And as you take that first step, continue until you reach the end. For he that endures to the end the same shall be saved. Pastor Lucas, my son was talking to me this week. He told me something. Story that his father-in-law preached and said. I think he said it's in Ohio. There's this place where the water will come down on this building. And if it goes one way, 
I don't remember the rivers, so pardon me for that, but if, if the water trickles off this side of the roof into that gutter, into that drain and so forth, it'll wind up in this river over here. If it goes on this side of the roof, it'll fall into this you know, drain and so forth and wind up in a different river. And those, those two finished bodies of water are 2,500 miles apart. One drop coming down depends on where it falls, to the right or to the left. And the way he said his father-in-law preaches it is you're just that one drop. You're just that one step away from winding up 2,500 miles away from, you know, what God intended for you. Does that make sense? As I begin to think about that, I thought about all the journeys that we've taken together, you and me, in the last 12 years. And all the steps we've taken and the heartaches we've been through. And I begin to think about the people that God's called us to pastor here. And all that they've been through. And, you know, I begin to think, you know, I wonder what step they're on. I, I wonder where they're going. And, and God just began to tell me, say, encourage them to keep stepping. Encourage them to just keep on walking. Because I, I guarantee you, if he was preaching, he would feel what I'm feeling. I know you're feeling it. Sorry. Because, <laughs> see, I knew you was feeling it. <laughs> Because as a pastor, that, that shepherd's heart says, yeah, you know what? I want them to make it. I want them to endure. Every time he lays his hands on you and prays for you, it's because he sees something in you. Just keep stepping. Just keep going another step. Don't give up now. I know it's hard. I know it's rough. I know the way seems hard. But just keep on. Take, I don't care if they're baby steps. Just keep on taking some steps forward. Just keep on stepping. <laughs> Some of y'all know me. Some of the music I like. As I was preparing this note, song, old song came back to me. It just says this. It's another day's journey and I'm sold out. It's another day's journey, and I'm sold out. It's another day's journey, and I'm sold out. And the world can't do me no harm. You know, you start singing whatever your song is. That's mine. You can have it if you want, but that's mine. You start singing stuff like that. You begin to realize, you know, God's brought me a mighty long way. He's not done with me yet. ha, <laughs> ha. You know, the last time I checked, he's the author. That means the pen is in his hand. Hey, so keep me on your path, way Lord. Keep me on your path, way Lord. I don't want to stumble. I don't want to fall. Oh, keep me on your path, way Lord. You know, now that song, you can, you can start really ad-libbing a little bit. I'm praying in your path. Way, Lord. You know, stepping one day at a time. Shannon, just, you know, it's been tough. It's, it's been rough, you know. I was telling my kids this week, got a chance to see them at the pulpit conference and said that, you know, 29 years this year with your mom, that's great. And next year we're both going to turn, well, I'm going to turn 50. She's still 29. Amen. But... Uh, I'm going to turn 50 next year. 
and we're going to celebrate 30 years of marriage. And so I've already come up with my hashtag for social media if the Lord hasn't come back. You know, it's, it's spelled out 5030. He's going to be our hashtag. And we're going to, we got some plans and all that. Great to enjoy. And, and I was saying this, and, and I can't remember which one of them. They said, well, how'd you get there? And I know what they were asking, but it was like one step at a time. One day at a time. Ask some of these veterans that live for God for any length of time. How'd you get there? One day at a time. One prayer at a time. One chapter of the Bible at a time. Come on. One struggle at a time. One healing at a time. One miracle at a time. One valley of the shadow of death at a time. God's been with me every step of the way. And I'm going to keep stepping till I reach the top. Because victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Glory. Is there anybody here that's going to keep stepping, keep walking? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What happens if I stumble and fall? What happens if I trip? Adjust man falleth seven times, but he don't stay down. He gets back up. Keep me on your pathway, Lord. Come on now. Get back up. If you trip, if you stumble, get back up. Is there anybody that's willing to say, I'm committed to keep stepping till I reach the journey? Stand with me. I'm bringing this to a wrap-up right here. Here it is. Yeah, I'm going to do some oldies, so just, you just, as you can obviously see. <laughs> the old testimony used to be this. My shoes are untied. That's great. You know what? I'm just going, there we go. I'm going to take them off. There we go. The old testimony used to be this. I want to bless the Lord. Come a long way with the Lord. And I want to make it all the way with Jesus. Something to that effect. Used to be the old testimonies. What were those elders saying? They were saying, you know what? I've been through a lot. But I ain't stopping now. I've seen a lot. But I'm not giving up now. I've been angry and frustrated. I've been hurt. I've been abused. I've been all of that. But I'm not giving up now. So I wonder if I've got anybody in the house that'll just declare with me, though the way is hard and though the way is rough, I'm not giving up. Oh, is that my key?